0: This podcast is brought to you by Aviva. We'll be exploring some of the biggest questions and issues faced by parents, but sometimes it's nice to have a helping hand. Aviva exists to be with people when it really matters throughout their life. They've been supporting people through life's financial challenges for over 300 years, so they know a thing or two about preparing for the future. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow. Right, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Vernon Kay, and I'm joined by the wonderful Holly Mackay. Holly, how are you?
1: Hi, very well. Thank you, Vernon. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, very good. As always, as always, it's always good to be here. Uh, we've got an interesting topic today on the podcast. In this episode, it's all about bridging the generational gap.
1: In other words, Vernon, mm. I think how how cool are you? It's <laughs> going to be scrutinised for the next half an hour. Yeah, that's
0: exactly it. When you think about it, Dad. Are you cool? And I remember my parents saying, ooh, don't want to do that. It's not like it was in our day. I think those are the classic phrases. That you get used to as a kid oh it's not like it was in our day Oh, what are you doing is
1: that entertainment good grief that's pathetic and then you used to turn around to your parents and go oh i know when i used to sort of do it i'm going to put on a fake northern accent here and then oh when i were young i had there to go, go to school break ice on the river <laughs> yeah and what about I'm, I'm kind of interested um do you are your parents still both around yeah they're both still with us. us yeah and, and what's uh, the generational gap like between them and your kids, so sort of taking it up a level, what's, what's, do you notice it between them? Is it an easy relationship? Or do you find your, grand? do your parents look at your kids like they've just come down from Mars sometimes?
0: I think what my parents do is judge our parenting skills through our kids, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're not really interested in TikTok or digital, uh, that digital playground that our kids are obsessed with. They're more into the fact that, have our kids got good manners? Are they polite? You know, do they carry themselves? Can they start and finish and carry a conversation? That do they pick up stuff. on
1: table manners?
0: Oh yeah, very much so.
1: I feel quite ashamed sometimes because I don't really. I'm, I'm maybe a bit more relaxed than I should be, but I really notice things like that when your we do it It's a wonderful picture, Holly, of
0: your family activities <laughs> over this uh, podcast series. <laughs> We're not,
1: maybe I'm being a bit over the top. We're not that slovenly, I don't think. So, so the picture. Be... Let me just explain. Uh,
0: for those of you just joining us, this, if this is your first episode of this podcast, then. Uh, the picture that I have, and, and you've got to remember that Holly and I have, have only just met whilst uh, we started this podcast, so. The vision I've got, now that you've said that, is kids at the trough, basically, oh, feeding themselves while you're sat in the corner drinking a gin.
1: <laughs> Shouting at the and tending. Analyse, yeah, and analysing the business. It's then it's like you like just came round to our house last night. No, it's not that bad, but it's little things like, you know, if they eat pizza with their hands, for oh, example, yeah. I'm a yeah. bit more sort of like relaxed about that. Yeah. And and my mum, I'll suddenly see her sort of looking at them. But I, in a way, I kind of don't think that much changes I was, I was I was sort of thinking about it I mean I had some sort of tension a bit of tension between me and my mum but it was never kind of that hardcore I think and and the same you said the the word polite and to me that is the one thing I'm probably doesn't sound like it because you just said I leave my kids from the drop <laughs> manners are really really important to me and I think mm. that was always sort of I was going to say beaten into me by my mum. That also sounds awful. Um, and it was instilled in, a, in, in me. <laughs> in the
0: equation of, of <laughs> who and what Holly is. But no, I think you're right. I think it, it's it's that DNA of your your parenthood, isn't it? Uh, that that you kind of, you want the the lines to progress in a way that you were brought up. So therefore you mirror that onto your kids, hoping that they will mirror that onto their kids. So I think... It all stems, and I know it's really simple to say, and and it's a big stereotype, but if you've got a happy home, then you've got a happy life. And I think if, as a parent, you uh, instill into your kids, in my opinion, a good work ethic and what's right and wrong, and, and your manners, then that's a great foundation to lead into your teens, your early adult life, family, and then carry on into your hopefully successful career. I think that's the foundation of of what our parents try and instill in us. And I think that's what the generational gap is. It's how you take the, your parents, 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 essence of life or what they're trying to establish as a good livelihood and move that along. I think that's what the generational gap is. I don't think it's about my parents asking my kids or my parents feeling left out because my kids are on an iPad and my parents don't know how to work it. Cause my parents, the kids' grandparents have embraced technology. They've really embraced it, and uh, I think you have to if you if, as a more mature grandparent, want to communicate with your grandchildren.
1: Yeah, I think, I think for me, the biggest thing I notice now is, is actually just how much. My parents do find my kids quite noisy, I think, and they, they have a certain time limit now and capacity that ten years ago I didn't notice so much. You're laughing at me now. (laughs) Okay, we're done now. Thanks for lending us the kids. (laughs) Ta-ta. I'm painting this great picture so when the snouts come out of the trough they then then start shouting. Because mummy's on the chin. No, but I certainly notice it like even when they were just ten years ago, um I now see my parents get actually physically Tired, just because of the maelstrom mm. that is kind yeah. of young, young I children. I kind of like that though.
0: I think, I think if you've got a vibrant, active house, you know the kids are running around and they're and they're they're, they're either play fighting or playing together, and there's lots of noise. I think that's a, a sign of a happy household. I'll be honest with you, I, I love it when I walk into our house and the and the girls are either singing at the tops of the voices or creating so much noise with the dogs or dancing around, you can hear them shuffling around in the front room. And and I think, yeah, that's all right, it's a good day today.
1: And what about the kind of more, I guess, stereotypical part, if you talk about the generational gap, we're bound to kind of introduce the word woke into the conversation Mm. at some point. Have you had any sort of conversations with your daughters where you've been sitting there listening to them and you start to sort of get a bit confused and go, "I, I actually don't quite follow what they're going on about now?
0: There's one conversation comes to light, and that's when my daughter, 16-year-old Phoebe, listens to explicit lyrics uh, or, or songs that have an explicit meaning in them. And I'm like, all right, let's just turn that off. You now, sing that to your dad. Oh, and she goes, bright red. which I can't. I'm like, right, but well, why are you listening to it in public? If you can't sing it to me, I'm not having it on the radio. And it goes off. Simple as that. Now you you imagine the embarrassment of let's go back to the 80s and my my mum kind of ruled the roost with a firm hearty roman catholic hand (laughs) but i can't imagine singing explicit lyrics to my parents in the front room i it it would be the the end of me it really maybe
1: you should try it oh gosh do you know what 2020 was a boring year for us all but i'm not that brave
0: not that I'll have to come round to yours and literally drink your gin cabinet.
1: It's before empty. I...
0: <laughs> before I even thought about swearing in front of... I still don't swear in front of my parents. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh, gosh. Yeah, bad manners and swearing and lying were the three things, three principles that my parents brought me up on.
1: Talked about swearing. What, let's talk about clothes. Um, my 10-year-old daughter likes crop tops. Yeah. And... I I do actually have a problem with that. I I try not to kind of be heavy-handed about it if she's just wearing stuff, you know, because she'll get hand-me-downs from her cousin who's 16. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I don't want her going out looking like that. And I've kind of backed away from picking fights with her over it because in a way life's too short and I just tell her it's cold and to put a jumper on. So I sort of skirted the issue. What about with a 16-year-old? Does that get a bit more... um, I don't know,
0: tricky to navigate. I won't lie. Yeah, it does. It does get tricky to navigate. But I think the one thing that parents have to bear in mind is that fashion is always at the forefront of your kids' mindsets growing up because you don't want to be stuck behind. You've got to follow the peer group. If you don't follow the peer group, then you're a bit weird. Oh, it's you not know, your you, definition of yeah. weird? Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, And I apologise if I upset anyone, but, you know. I had in, a purple
1: go, skirt with bells well, on. Well, yeah, there you go.
0: So, but I'm only, I'm only reflecting back on how I grew up. And anyone that kind of dared go against the grain, they were always a bit weird, a bit quirky. And now, looking back, and the person that I am today, I love that. I say to myself, why do you want to look like every other person walking down the street? And having worked in the fashion industry, I believe that fashion and style are a reflection of you, who you are as a person, what you believe in, uh, your, the trends that you follow, and I'm not talking about fashion, I mean like the arts, music, culture, all that kind of stuff, and, and your personality. So when you see, when if you went to a bar and you looked at 100 lads, they would all be wearing the same thing, jeans, tucked in shirt, no socks, boating shoes, and thousands of tattoos on every inch of their skin. Why were you, why, just why do you want to follow the crowd? Why do you want to blend in when surely you want to stand out? Surely you want to walk into that bar and people turn around and go, bloody hell, he's cool. Like if my daughter came out in a, in a dress, when it was her 16th birthday, she came out in this beautiful dress, and I looked at it. And I thought, do you know what? It's a bit short. It's her 16th birthday. She feels great. Let's just go for it. Yeah. You know, but deep down I'm like, mm, you know, it's a bit short. <laughs> I'm but then, then I kind of think, I sound like my mum or my dad. You know, like, oh, what are you wearing that for? But then I'm thinking, well, no, that's not what it's about. It's about an expression of, your, of yourself. And I think the more kids can express themselves without feeling pressure from the peer group, uh, I think that's a real good character builder. And I think it's a real great way of expressing your personality without opening your mind. This podcast is brought to you by Aviva. Visit aviva.co.uk to find out more and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow. Right, it's that time of the show where we invite a fellow parent onto the podcast. This week, we've got the wonderful Simon Thomas joining us. And I know this is going to be an amazing chat. Uh, Sadly, Simon lost his wife very suddenly to leukaemia back in 2017 and he had to learn how to be a single parent very quickly.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing his story and about how he and his son have been doing in the last few years. He's just returned to his job as a TV presenter and got his own podcast too. Simon, welcome to the show.
0: Hi guys, how are you?
1: We're very good, thanks,
0: Simon. Yeah, we're talking today good. about the generational gap, how we bridge it, and how, as parents, we have those conversations without talking about how amazing nightclubs were back in the 1990s. Uh, I'll be <laughs> honest I find it quite embarrassing that I'm starting to say things that my parents said to me when I was young, like, it's not as good as it used to be, or what's this garbage you're listening to? I don't like it. I, it does make you feel old. No, I know, I know exactly
2: what you mean. The one I find I say more often than not, because my boy and is he's, he's just turned 11. Uh, so he's got one more year that is senior school. And we're already into the talk about when's he going to get a phone? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what kind of phone is it going to be? Oh, uh, yeah. and, I, and I'm trying to go down the line of saying it's probably just going to be a phone, not an all singing, all dancing one. It's just going to be for calling and texting. It already he doesn't like <laughs> that. But so often I say or my, my partner Dorena says, you know, we didn't we didn't have screens back in our day and you think where's where's that one come from but it's just coming to the subconscious (laughs) and without thinking about it you're now saying it and you're now being your parent it was a different thing back then you know I remember my my first ever game thing was called Puck Monster was like a cheap version of Pac-Man my mum and dad couldn't afford that one (laughs) but it's an electronic game and you know they would say we never had anything like that in in our day and now a generation on it's well we never had screens in our day and it's You just say it without even realizing it's become part of the conversation.
0: Do you think that the digital world enables kids to interact in a way that they did when they were playing hide and seek, when they were playing TIG, when they were playing all those school-grown games, but on a digital platform? Because my my youngest daughter plays Minecraft and she plays it with six of her mates and they're creative because they build a world, they're communicating, but yet they're not physically moving. And I think as parents, because they're just sat watching an iPad we think that oh you should be playing hide and seek or you should be going playing you know nicking stuff from people's gardens which I don't <laughs> recommend but you know let's be honest everyone had fun with the neighbours garden norms. let's be a honest li- a little glimpse into Vernon's childhood yeah but, but you know it, it I think it, times have changed, but still they're communicating, they're learning about, they're being creative because I think that's why Lego is so successful. Maybe on being
1: Minecraft, but, but Simon, if you've got an 11-year-old son, I'm guessing mm. Fortnite sort of features in, in your No, in no, world. it doesn't
2: yet. We've, we've decided not to go down that route because he's not been the age. And we're, I'm quite strict on that. I think it, it, it is important. And it, this is one of the great tensions of parenting now, isn't it? When it particularly when it comes to technology, because he does have friends in his class who've been on it for a year or more so it's very much part of their world but it's not part of Ethan's world but I think at some point as a parent you've got to you've got to put your markers down and that's difficult sometimes and I know coming back to the phone conversation about senior school it's kind of a must-have but the idea he may have a phone that doesn't do what his friend's phone does doesn't mean I just go well okay you have one of those and it's it's really difficult and I I think Vernon come back to you saying is it's just getting that balance between still doing some of the things that we did as, as children because they hadn't suddenly become outdated hide and seek or whatever games an 11 year old wants to play outdoors because I remember this summer we went to stay with some friends and there was a moment because there were some other friends there so about six kids in all and it'd been quite quiet in the morning for about two hours and I walked into the to the main room where all the kids were sat all six of them sat in total silence (laughs) on their devices and i just sort of walked in and i just said to them all what's happening here then and they sort of begrudgingly looked up and then looked back down again Uh, and in the end i said right and and i wasn't the parent of these other five kids i felt a bit bad i said right you got five minutes more then just put them all down and go outside and they were a bit disgruntled at first because yeah they're enjoying that world where they are interacting with other kids online but then i'm thinking but here you are together and given the period we'd just come through where Mm. kids were not seeing each other apart from online and ethan used to do a a twice weekly kind of zoom game time with some mates which was really good and kept them connected but i just said five minutes get out there and 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 they were a bit grumpy for a little bit but then 10 minutes later they're kind of doing all the stuff that we remember doing as a kid and it's not about being snobbish and saying well i never did this when i was a kid because i didn't have screens about saying that there's a place for both but i think the hardest thing for a parent is just is getting that balance because, as you'll know, it's all too easy when you're busy and you've got stuff going on, particularly this weird period where for so many of us, we've been at home and we've been working from home. And then the kids come home, thankfully, back at school now and and everything's all going on. It's all too easy to just go. Well, I've got stuff on, so just get on with it. And then two hours have slipped by and it's just been interacting online, which. I don't think it's healthy if it's just that. I just think it's about balancing. Simon,
1: I've got um, a question, and, and stop me if this is um, indelicate, in but but I understand that, that you lost your wife and Ethan lost his mum mm. a, a year or, or, or so ago. Just going back to the issue of sort of you're, you're with a partner now, but as a parent who, who suddenly lost your kind of partner in crime in sort mm. of parenting your son, how... How did that feel when when suddenly for a period of time, you know, the weight of responsibility on your shoulders, combined, you know, with being a time of, of incredible grief, must have been extremely hard to juggle. Did you did do you feel like you sort of had to kind of carry the mantle of being mum as well as dad for a bit?
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah. I mean it was nearly it's it's been nearly three years now and yeah definitely i think it was both i don't want to use the word curse that's the wrong word but it was both in terms of suddenly becoming as i called it at the time uh solo parenting you know there wasn't you know there hadn't been a a split up or something where you're essentially still raising the kids but you you share your time in terms of bringing them up and you can still talk to them about school decisions and life decisions for your kids going forward suddenly Yeah, we had the support of family and friends but in terms of the decisions in terms of bringing him up it was suddenly for a time all on my shoulders and and i i remembered early on watching the rio ferdinand documentary on becoming mum and dad and thought gosh this is this is suddenly my world and you're right you you're you're dealing with a huge amount of confusion and pain uh, and massive questions about what the hell does the future look like now in terms of, you know, losing your wife. But then on top of that, it's, crikey, now everything in terms of Ethan's upbringing, for the time being at the least, rests firmly upon my shoulders. And yeah, I can I can call out to, to family and friends for advice, but ultimately the decision rested squarely on me. But in lots of ways, that was also a massive help because, you know, those first few weeks are, are a blur. They really are an absolute blur. And because of what happened with Jim, I was very... Very sudden, she went from diagnosis of acute myeloid leukemia, which is a blood cancer that took her on a Tuesday, to being gone by the Friday. So, three days, no time to prepare, no time to get your head around what was happening. We didn't even know that was going to be the end result of her diagnosis. We knew it was a tough, tough road ahead. And suddenly, in an instant, your whole world is flipped on its head. And you you don't know whether you're going or coming. I just describe it as being in this thick fog for for weeks upon end. But the one thing that would drive you out of bed in the morning, the one thing that meant you had to to grapple with the day and 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 do things, was having a child, having Ethan. Mm. Uh, and he would still come through. Well, we actually slept in the same room for the first few weeks, but I had to get him up. He was back at school a week later to keep some of the, the structures of his life in place, because if school disappears for a few weeks and he just goes, what the heck's happening here? My mum's gone, school's gone. This landscape that I once knew as life now just looks barren. And, and that was a really big thing in terms of beginning i described going through something like this is you initially can't move and then you eventually learn to crawl again you eventually learn to walk again and then one day one day and people listening who have maybe gone through this and maybe it's too early to even imagine this but you begin to run again but he was the one who kind of unknowingly pulled me through those first weeks because i simply had to be there for him and i had to deal with all the really tough questions that came my way from him he was very open about questions about what the future was going to look like he was eight at the time so what he's trying to do is work out in his head what is my life what is what I term as my family life going to look like in a year's time in two years time three years time and so he'd ask me questions that in the first few weeks I was really not not wanting to go there like what are we going to do with mum's clothes he asked me, within, asked me within 10 days, wow. do you think you'll get married again? You know, and all these questions are like, I don't want to talk about this. But actually, it's really important. I learned this early on. It's really important. And actually, I'd say this for any parent. When, when kids are tough questions and sometimes they question, you think, I'd, I'd rather put that off for another day because maybe I don't feel equipped to answer it. Or actually, I just don't want to answer it. I, I think it's really important to try and go there with them when those tough questions come. Because if you don't, what I think happens is the the door on conversations and your kids being able to open up to you begins to close. Cause they go, well, Dad doesn't want to talk about what we do in Mum's clothes. He doesn't want to talk about the future. He keeps saying, I'm not talking about that right now. And eventually the door shuts and he stops asking you the questions. So yeah, I think it was it was it was a huge weight of responsibility, a massive burden. But actually in those first few months, having a, a kid, Uh, And however painful it was to feel his grief and see his grief and and realise he's going to grow up without a mum, that was the big thing that kind of dragged me through those first few months.
0: Now, I I know we're talking about the generational gap, Simon, but when you opened up your heart so honestly on social media, it really brought the nation together in a way that everyone seemed to be kind of empowering you to get through the struggle and the loss of, of Gemma. But it, it, it's nice to know that the, the generational gap, you know, sti- sticking on, on the theme, from when our parents and our grandparents would find themselves mm. in this kind of situation, even something as simple as talking about it just didn't happen. No. You know, no. I was like, oh, what's wrong with your sunshine? Get back to work.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, Especially it, for guys. I yeah, think. yeah. And and I and don't I, know about you. I look at my dad. um, you know, Scottish sort of 81, you know, he's not overly prone to talking about how he's feeling. In yeah. fact, that's how you can wind my dad up. Yeah. Talk to him about his emotions. He gets all... <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I think there's de- definitely, there, there has been, uh, and you've got to be careful when I say this, because I don't want to say it and say, well, that was just the wrong way to do it. Mm. But I think it, it had an impact, and there was a generational gap when when it came to... Talking about the area of loss and the, yeah. and the area of grief, and I I remember quite early on having um, having lunch with actually someone from my work. who was very high up at Sky Sports at the time, um, and and this guy was 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 a strange one to work out because you can meet him on one day and he, he'd just be an absolute gentleman, you know, easy to deal with, easy to chat to. Other days he was he was he was a nightmare to put it politely, you know, really tough cookie could sometimes be pretty harsh and unfairly am harsh there was almost like a like a schizophrenic nature to his character could, you just didn't know what you were going to get on any on any given day and he, he came to see me early on and we just had lunch and he began to, to tell me his story and it was part of the reason why he wanted to reach out to me because he he knew something of the path that Ethan was now on and he sat there and said you know you won't probably know this but I I lost my mum cancer when I was seven and my brother was nine at the time and I sort of listened into what he was saying and it was really interesting about how the generations deal with loss and how I think that is changing for the better with time it's not saying everybody gets it right or everybody does things differently but I definitely think it's changing and he said you know the way my dad and I think he was without telling me what to do encouraging me not to be this dad mm. and he said you know my dad once the funeral had come and gone he never spoke of his wife of his mum ever again wow. it was almost like banned within the house so the only place uh my colleague and his brother had to go in terms of expressing their grief or talking about their mum was with their mum's mum their grandma who was the other end of the spectrum wouldn't stop talking about it but essentially his dad shut the door on grief shut the door on loss immediately after the funeral and so he never had anywhere to go with that in terms of life at home and, and i'm not saying that it was definitely connected but i as a I listener I thought that may be part of the, the story behind the, the person you've become, because actually grief at some point has to come out, whether it's five days later or five years later, at some point it will express itself. And I've always wanted to try and encourage people, actually, it's OK to express it and it's OK to express it in front of your children. You know, me crying or getting stressed or, or saying that, you know, I'm, I'm sad today wasn't an expression of weakness to Ethan wasn't saying dad's falling apart although I know at times he did fear I was falling apart actually I think it's it's a show of strength and saying listen it's okay to vocalize these things and actually Ethan it's okay for you to vocalize these things I think that stiff upper lip generation where we just got on with things yeah that may have worked for a time particularly as we were talking about war earlier none of us thankfully know what it's like to live through something like that but there was that well we just had to get on with it you know multiple amounts of people were dying every day in conflict you, you didn't have time to grieve but i think now that the stiff upper lip thing I, I just try and encourage people to try and loosen the lips a little bit mm. and be okay expressing it because I, I think your kids will thank you for it in later life that you were you know honest enough to be open and it gave them coming back to that door thing the ability to hopefully, to be open themselves.
0: Simon, thank you so much. Uh, Pleasure. B- but before we leave you, uh, we, we, we should talk about where you're at now. Uh, yep. The generational gap, I would imagine that uh, you and Ethan have done a lot of talking about your new partner uh, and the future ahead, and, and things yeah. are bright, things are progressing in a positive mm. way.
2: Yeah, they really are. And um, yeah, I'm, I remember you know, one or two people who did know what this path was like, because they'd been through it themselves, said, quite early on and I, I had be honest enough to say I didn't welcome it at the time and I didn't want to hear it they said you know life life will get better that the sun will one day shine again and you, you cannot even begin to to believe that but but it does it's slow but but it does and you know I I'm really thankful for the place you, you know we're in now and I've and I met an amazing woman who you know it took me by surprise. i never thought I'd ever meet anyone again, I never thought I'd fall in love again. I thought, never thought I'd allow myself to, to fall in love again because as we all know, when you fall in love in life, it comes with risk, doesn't it? That it doesn't work out, that you might have your heart broken. And, and Doreen has been yeah, just a, an amazing woman at getting alongside me and Ethan as a friend when we first met and just being incredible support, but then becoming a whole lot more. And she's been incredible for me but also incredible for Ethan. You know, she knows that she can never be Ethan's mum, but, but no one out there could ever be his mum again. But, but she's become everything but, and we're in the process. It's all going to be nightmarish at the moment because these things so often do. We're, we're sort of moving house soon. But I think, you know, I I, th- I sometimes think about what's happened and I'll, I'll think about Gemma and I'll, I'll think that she was 40 and, you know, the average age life expectancy woman in the UK now is, is above 80 years. Mm. So if everything gone well for her, she lost out on her for half her life. Ethan has lost the vast majority of his life without having his mum by his side. And yet, I just got to enjoy three years alongside that amazing boy that she didn't have. And, you know, in honouring her life, I, I I need to embrace life again. She'd have wanted that, to enjoy it again mm. and to make the most of it. Because I don't know how long I've got. I hope it's many, many years to come. But, you know, I've seen how quickly particularly cancer can steal lives and we're seeing in this period how quickly covid can take people you know it's it's hard to do every day I'm, I'm totally honest about that we all know living each day as if it's your last is is it just doesn't happen but what i appreciate is life in a way that i didn't before and i do count myself despite everything that's happened as really blessed to have an amazing boy to have an amazing woman in dorina and to have the opportunity to
0: enjoy a new and a different life brilliant Thank you, Simon. Really appreciate your time. That was enlightening, to say the least. And and good luck with everything. (laughs) Uh, All right. Thank you, Simon. All the best. Yeah. All the best, guys. Thank you. Okay, Holly. We've got some uh, questions that have come in that we've got to answer. We have to answer. We're legally obliged (laughs) by Aviva to answer these questions. So uh, we'll ask Mark, our producer, to fire them over. Mark, what's the first question, please?
1: I don't understand half of these new terms about gender and sexuality. How can I discuss it with my kids?
0: God, blimey, I don't understand half of them anyway. I'll be honest with you, but I think that's the world we live in, Holly.
1: I think we just have to get them to explain. My my kids, the other day, there's a toy we've had forever, Mr Pickles. Mr Pickles was a girl one day... uh, my son then started to say, "Well, Mr. Pickles is a trans." My daughter was furious. No, okay, Mr. Pickles is gender fluid. No, it's just when she woke up this morning, she was a girl. Tomorrow, <laughs> he will be a boy. Ask the kids. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm. I, I think the kids. I think kids get taught more in the playground about gender than. Be, be, I, I think what it is is when you're. When you leave school when you leave the education system whether you go to college whether you, you go to a university or whatever you you have a tendency to stop learning you know because you're on your path then the sail is up you're floating down the stream of life shall we say and unless you're reading unless you you know uh, you're well read in, in whatever literature you choose to read or a newspaper or whatever you get your information from it's very difficult to understand what's going on so i think parents have a responsibility to keep learning and keep the, their toe in the pool of, of what is uh, where are we at with gender and also with race you know we mentioned it in previous podcasts 2020 has been a, a year where you can really embrace society and get a real grip of what's going on out there and i think uh, it's our responsibility to, to open our eyes and find out what gender neutral means what trans means uh, you know, gay, lesbian, just just go out and ask. You know, use the Urban Dictionary. Be careful, but use the Ur- Urban Dictionary to find out what these, these terms mean and educate yourself. My kids want to spend money on things I honestly don't understand, like games. Any tips for how to control something I don't get? Oh, Holly, we've, we've covered this one. Over to you.
1: I think, you know, in a way with my kids, I think as long as they understand the connection between work and money as long as they're not spending it on things that I think are going to actually be harmful to them. If they want to spend it all on virtual things and in games and then there's none left for anything else, I mean, that, that that's up to them. But I think it's just for me, it's making sure that there's a connection between the work that they have to do for the money they get to the end of the... After that, Vernon, I kind of think they can spend it on what they choose as long as it's not harmful to them.
0: Yeah, we've talked about kids learning the value of money, haven't we? What hard work is equivalent to uh, a pound. Kids can't go spending willy-nilly unless they know the value of, of that.
1: Any advice, please? My parents and my kids don't agree on their views at all. Help! Oh, that's a tough one. Can you actually be a bridge in the middle or are you just setting yourself up for failure? I, I, Vernon, what do you think? My, my kids and my grandparents, I suppose i just keep them off those sorts of topics find something they do like doing
0: yeah but i also like watching phoebe debate the 16 year old you know her and i have had some great debates uh about social topics and i quite enjoy it not not because we're debating but i quite enjoy the process that i can see going on in her head and her thought processes and because my parents are quite old school in the way that they carry themselves it's quite nice seeing my kids and my parents bring that generational gap closer together.
1: And the important point you make there, I think it is really key, is, is debate. I think, sounding like an old fart maybe, but we've lost the art of being able to disagree yeah. with someone it, and articulate that.
0: Because it, these days, we seem to be in a society where your opinion is right, my opinion is right. So therefore a debate becomes an argument. And it becomes quite feisty very quick, especially on social.
1: We've been talking today with some cringe-worthy moments from me, Vernon, about bridging the generational gap. And of course, that extends to our finances too. Alistair McQueen from Aviva is back once again with three more top tips.
3: Hi everybody, my name is Alistair McQueen and I'm the Head of Savings and Retirement, Aviva. And here are my top three tips for today. With each generation comes experience. And with record life expectancy in the UK today, we've arguably get more experience than we've ever had before. And this is a great thing. But for each generation, there could be different financial needs and priorities. For older generations, for example, the priorities can be funding retirement and potentially meeting the costs of social care. And for younger generations, the priorities can be student debt and getting on the housing ladder. But for the millions in between, you will have your own financial pressures. Plus, possibly the need to support younger and older members of your family too. You are the sandwich generation. For those in the sandwich generation, these are my top three tips for taking control of your finances. First, manage a budget. A budget is the foundation of all good financial planning. Simply work out how much money you have coming in each month from where and how much is going out each month to where. Obviously, the hope is that the incomings are greater than the outgoings. The great news is that there are many free online tools to help you build your budget. Personally, I like the budget planner on the government-backed money advice service website, but many others are available. Second, understand where you're heading. Looking to the longer term, it is good to understand how much you've already saved for your retirement and how much you're hoping to save in the years to come. This will help you understand if you're on track for the retirement to which you aspire. As with budgeting, there are many free tools to help with this. For example, the My Retirement Planner tool on aviva.co.uk website. This tool will help you understand, for example, the possible benefits of saving more, or working longer and third take control with your budget and an understanding of where you're heading you're now well placed to consider your next steps you are in control which is a great place to be and you can exercise this control on your own with the support of a wide range of helpful tools on the internet or you can exercise this control with the support for financial advisor and if you're between the ages of 45 and 60 Aviva has launched a free app we call the Midlife M.O.T. It provides handy hints on how to manage your wealth, your work and your well-being at these uncertain times. Simply search for Aviva Midlife M.O.T. app.
0: More expert advice from Alistair McQueen from Aviva next week. Thank you very much.
1: And that's another episode which is whizzed by Vernon. Well, next week, coming up, we've got Alison Perry joining us to talk, here we go, about being a role model for our kids.
0: Oh, we're looking forward to that one. To help make sure you don't miss the episode, hit the subscribe button or the follow button, wherever you get your podcast from. And whilst you're there, why not leave us a review, go on?
1: And for more information, including some content from me, head over to the website. The link is in the description or just type in aviva.co.uk forward slash parenting past hyphen the hyphen pandemic. We'll catch you in episode four. Bye for now.
0: This podcast was brought to you by Aviva. Check out aviva.co.uk for more details. Aviva is with you today for a better tomorrow.